Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ezekiel. If you would, Ezekiel, and if you don't have Bibles, if you're phones, your Bible apps, and we're going to go to Ezekiel. And we're going to go to chapter, uh, the second last chapter of Ezekiel, which is chapter, just moving stuff out here so that I don't trip on them and step on them and crush them. Here we go. Um, Ezekiel 47, second last chapter, Ezekiel 47. And I got to stay behind the line, Okay. I'm the one who made the line, so i got to stay behind it. Six feet, six feet, six feet. Everything's six feet. Okay. Ezekiel 47. If, um, just seeing uh, any children, anybody who's drawing pictures, there's going to be three opportunities for you to, if it were me, I would be drawing pictures. I'm a horrible drawer, drawer of pictures. But in uh, the story, we're going to have a picture of a big temple, if you can imagine it, and a river flowing from it, that's kind of a cool picture you could draw. Uh, there's another aspect, which is, I'm going to be giving an illustration, and you can figure out how to draw that picture. It has sharks in it. And then at the end, I have an illustration with puppies. So, I want to start today with the illustration with sharks. There's a story about a rich millionaire who threw a massive party for his 50th birthday. During the party, he grabs a microphone and no doubt inebriated, he announces to his guests that down at the garden, the mansion, he has a swimming pool with two sharks in them. And he said this, he says, I will give anything of mine to the person who swims across that pool. People chuckled and they thought, right, we're not doing that. So the party continues Suddenly, there's a great splash. All the guests quickly run to the poolside to see what's happening. There's a man in the pool, and he's swimming as hard and as fast as he can. Fins come up out of the water. Jaws are snapping. The guy keeps going. Sharks are gaining on him. But the guy finally reaches the other end, gets out of the pool. He's tired. He's soaked. The millionaire grabs the microphone and says, I'm a man of my word. Anything of mine I will give, my Porsche, my house, absolutely anything. For you are the bravest man I have ever seen. So, sir, what will it be? Breathless, the guy grabs the microphone and says, Why don't we start with the name of the jerk who pushed me in? There are times in our life when we are thrust into situations that are beyond our control. Isn't that not true? We like to control everything, but there are times where we are thrust into situations we cannot control, which create confusion, panic, chaos, maybe even to the point where we feel like we're swimming for our lives. 
And I think for some and maybe many people, pandemic 2020 could well be such a season for many. A season in which we've been thrust into something which we did not ask for, which we cannot control. And I think for millions of people, the last 14, 15 weeks, for millions of people around the globe, we've been pushed into these waters of unfamiliarity. We don't know what to do with them. I think that's been true. Where careers are being redesigned. Lifestyles have changed. Habits have formed that, good or bad, and other habits that were formed have been lost. There have been values that have been redetermined. There have been priorities that have been reestablished. There have been purposes put into place that weren't in place before. And So the title of what I want to speak on this morning is the title called, one word, repurposed. Repurposed. Last week I spoke, my title was simply Reset. And no, I'm not got a big series called Re-something. It just happens to land that, that last week we started back as a church, back um, our bodies started to get together again. But we felt it was important that we just don't get together for together's sake. It's important to hit the reset button. And as we defined last week, a reset button, the picture I have in my mind is if you have a device and maybe you've been monkeying around with that device and doing this and doing that. And after a while, you can't get it to do what the device was made for. And so they have a little thing there called the reset button. You push the reset button, it takes it back to its original design. Sometimes life is like that. And we talked last week, what is the reset button for me? What's the reset button for the church? And the reset button for the church is really, in my best guess, is Acts chapter 2. It's the early church verses 42 to 47. As the early church, and we talked of those verses, hit the reset. Let's go back. Let's do what we should be doing. But today, I want to talk about our purpose. I want to just hit the reset, but what is my purpose after having hit the reset? What am I to do? Why am I here? What am I and what are my values this day forward? Repurposing, repurposing our lives. And so, let's go to the text. I think Ezekiel is a great picture of this, chapter 47. Follow along with me. We're just going to read the first six verses. Verse 1 speaks of the vision. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. Verse 3, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, led me through water that was knee deep, measured off another thousand cubits, led me through water that was up to my waist. He measured off another thousand cubits, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, Son of man, do you see this? 
Would you say that last part together with me together, Son of Man, do you see? Everybody together? Son of Man, do you see this? That's going to be the most important phrase that we have this morning. Son of Man, per people, you and I. We're going to use the expression they use, Son of Man, do you see this? Father in heaven, we just, as we turn to your word this morning, we ask that we would see it. Lord, I pray that there would not be a veil over this scripture or a veil over our hearts, but that with eyes, with your lens, help us to see what you're showing us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if we are really able to see the world as the Lord sees it today. So here we are, what, July the 5th this morning? I wonder if we really see the world the way the Lord sees it. I mean, we tune into CNN or whatever news you turn into or listen to 680 or you listen to Christian news, uh, you get it on your app, whatever, the news. I'm going to suggest that we don't see it the way God sees it. And the Bible says His ways are higher than ours, wider than ours deeper than ours. So, it's a pretty good guess. If I see it this way, chances are God sees it differently. Maybe not totally different, but with a perspective that is uniquely divine. And what he's asking, he's asking, would you attempt, would you at least try to see it the way I see it? We start off with this particular text, and we have a picture here of a temple. Now, the temple in biblical times was very significant. We could even roll it back to the time of Moses where a tabernacle was established. And in the tabernacle, it was a tent of meetings. And God says, I will abide with you there. So if you want to meet with God, you've got to go there. Then later on, the tabernacle was gone. The tent of meetings, I mean, it could be stolen. It could be blown down. I mean, there's, it was temporary. It was never meant to be permanent. And so later, David knew that there was going to be a great temple that was going to be built, I mean, a glorious temple, and his son Solomon would build the temple. You can read of it in the Chronicles. builds this glorious temple. And the details to the construction of this temple is minute. Every part of it, the details, where you got the logs, where the gold, how much gold, every part of it was in detail. You see, God is a God of preciseness. He's a God of measurement. Everything does have purpose. Therefore, what does it look like when we're repurposed? So, in the temple that was built by Solomon, it was a great temple, and God would dwell there. And the people of Israel got used to always going to the temple to meet with God. If you want to meet with God, go to the temple. David even would say this. We have, if you were to go to Psalms 120, and it would say the Psalms of the Ascent. And for the next 15 psalms, it's people ascending to get to the temple. And it's a song that they are singing. It's, it's really a journal of their journey to up the hill to the temple. You've got to go to the temple to meet with the Lord. And it was a glorious thing when they got to Psalms 135 and actually got to the temple. It's a wonderful thing. But that temple got destroyed. As a matter of fact, in this particular text, the temple would be destroyed within just a few years of Ezekiel 47. The temple was going to be destroyed. And yet everything focused around the temple. If you wanted to meet with God, you came to the temple. So when we read of this story, and Ezekiel tells the story, and here it is, from the temple, the river flows from the temple. That was not particularly surprising in this vision. But here is something that is surprising. If you've ever watched a river flow, 
If a river flows out of a lake, you will see the river is large at the lake, and then as it continues to flow, it diminishes and diminishes and diminishes. So at the source, it's great. At the end, it's not. Now, in some cases, it's flowing off the mountain, and it's small, and it makes its way to the sea. It becomes great. But that's not the picture here. The picture is one in which out of the temple, out of the presence of God, the picture of the temple, it flows, but it's coming out as a trickle. But the measuring man, he's the guy with the measuring line, he says, come with me. And so we go with him on the first six verses journey. He says, come with me. And he measures off, basically in our system it would be a half a kilometer. Measures off a half a kilometer, he stops. And they take inventory. They can wade through it, it's up to their ankles. Then he goes another half a kilometer, we just finished reading it, and it's up to their knees. You can still wade through that pretty easily. They measure off another half a kilometer, the third segment, measured it very carefully, measured it off. But each time they're measuring, they're going away from the temple. They're not going to the temple, they're going away. And as they leave the temple, the water is becoming deeper and it flows greater. The next time he measures it, it's up to the waist. The next time they measure, it's so great, he says, no one can cross this river. And then if you continue through the text found here in Ezekiel 47, you continue down, and the chapter really is worth, we just don't have time to read it this morning, the chapter is worth the read. As you read through the entire chapter, it talks about how fruit is growing up, life is coming up on the sides of this river. And of course, picture it, the river started shallow, small, narrow, but as it flows out, more growth is coming from the river. Now, the unusual thing is it's not flowing to the temple, it's flowing out of the temple away. And it's at this in verse 6 that the man with the measuring line strategically takes Ezekiel, takes you and I, it's meant for you and I, takes us in each increment of measurement and is asking us, do you see this? And I think we're kind of going, see what? What am I missing? Yeah, it's shallow. It's deeper, 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 deeper. Okay, I can't cross it now. What are you showing me? Son of man, do you see this? And the picture here is the picture that the measurement is a new measurement. See, up to now, everything revolved at the temple. But from now on, it's going to revolve out there in the world. Where the flow is going out from the presence of God. It's going out to where the world is. It's going away from you. And the picture and the call was go with the flow. Go with where it's going. It's a new measuring line for us. It's a new day. Back a few years ago, I began to recognize I needed to keep score of God's success plan differently. When I first started ministry 35 years ago, when I first started ministry, we gauged success, we called it the three B's, bodies, buildings, and budgets. You know you're successful in ministry. God is moving bodies, buildings, budgets. Let me explain it. So bodies. So how are you successful? Well, how many bodies are gathered together? So on a Sunday morning, how many are together? If I remember the first church I was in, the first church I pastored, passed 25 people in the whole church. That was a good Sunday. The first few months we were there, 25 people. And it was always kind of embarrassing when you went to conference and you sat with your colleagues and, you know, and, you know, how are things going? Oh, things are going well. Praise God. God's moving. How many people are in your church? 25. And then 
Of course, they want you to ask them, how many are in your church? 250. Well, you felt like a failure if you didn't have the bodies. You see, God is moving. God, God saves people, and people get together, and you have bodies. And so if you're in a bigger place, you must be more successful. God is moving in a greater way if there's a lot more bodies together. That's how we gauged it. So on a Sunday morning, or how much ministry, how many bodies, the counts, take place? How many is on the directory? How many, right? The other one was building. And so you always, you know, do you have your own building? Uh, what kind of a building do you have? Is your building uh, significant? Is your building able to offer, you know, the gymnasiums and the children's centers and all this stuff? Is your building able to do all the ministries that it needs? And you can go around, there's all kinds of buildings. I mean, buildings are an interesting tapestry of the Christian community. But we often gauged our scorecard marked buildings as part of our success. And the other one, of course, was budgets. Lots of money. I mean, you know, more people, more tithe, more giving, more offerings, more support. You have a larger staff. You're able to do greater things. You're able to support more ministries. I mean, there's a budget behind it. We have to have budgets. And so we often gauged it on bodies, buildings, and budgets. Have you noticed the pandemic just blew all that out of the water? We couldn't even get together if we wanted to. <laughs> we, it was against the law to get together for the first three months. Bodies couldn't get together. Now remember when we started that back in March, how long would this last? And then it began, it kind of settled in, it's going to last a while. Bodies, we couldn't get together. We couldn't even get together with our family members. You know, nursing homes couldn't have kids coming and grandkids coming and visiting those in the nursing home. We couldn't get together for social events. It just schools canceled, you know, and it just bodies weren't assembling. Blew it all out. We couldn't get together. And buildings, well, they sat empty. I, I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again this week. My heart was really stirred. There was a person who was helping get us back they were cleaning up on the day before we got back last week. And they said one of the saddest things is when they went on the first Sunday that we actually had a service here, but nobody was here. And we actually turned around the platform. I was sitting here. We had cameras here. And I preached to, and maybe some of you remember that, I preached to an empty auditorium. Uh, and it was our first Sunday that services were banned. And, and this person moved my heart. They said when they saw that, they actually wept. They wept. They never thought in their lifetime they would see a building empty on a Sunday morning here in Canada. But the buildings were empty. They weren't empty one Sunday, two Sundays, three Sundays. They were months being empty. Some are still empty. And then finances. And finances have become difficult. Finances have become, some people are out of work. Their jobs are not steady. Uh, employment, uh, not able to get a job, not able to get a placement. And the uncertainties that are all around all this. The three Bs, bodies, building, budgets. Basically, here's another word, blowing up. They got blew up. But you know that was never, and it never should have been our measuring card in the first place. Because our measuring card should be missional impact. How much of a difference are we making in this world? The people out there. When in the first three or four weeks of the pandemic and we were shut down, I kept hearing over and over and over again, essential services, essential services, essential services, and they could keep going. But everything else, including us, were shut down. Now, I always thought that God's a pretty essential service, right? 
But obviously, it's not seen like that. And I began to look at what qualified essential service. Began to go through the qualifications of those qualified for essential service. And then I began to, and became part of my prayer life over this past number of months. What would it take for the body of Christ to truly be the essential service? We know Jesus is the essential service, but that's not the perception. What does it take to be an essential service? Here's the point. Son of man, do you see this? Are we being repurposed? I think if we were to simply get back and do things as we did, we will have missed the whole point. I think this is a great moment of the Lord to say it's time to get retooled for my purpose. Reset, repurposed. No, I'm not next week going to come back and preach a message retooled. But we need to get retooled. There needs to be changes. Because our scorecard, we need to throw the old one out. And we need to go back, what missional impact am I making out there? So, in this story, this is what's happening. It's not about the temple. It's about out there. Now, you come to a word, and you'll find it in chapter 47, verse 8. It says, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Araba. Everybody say Araba. Okay, that was really quiet, but yeah, you're in mass. Araba. Araba means, the definition of the word Araba means the depression. The depression. This depressed area is said to be the region surrounding the Dead Sea, the present-day Dead Sea. The region, the Araba. Note it says, it flows towards, it's heading toward the Araba. So where is God's focus going? Where deadness is. His focus is not around the temple, the glory of the temple. His focus wasn't even around the wonders of the water and the life beside the banks. The focus was his heading towards Araba. It has to get to the Araba. It says, flowing towards Araba, the depressed, the depressed region. There's no life there. I guess that's why God decides to go in that direction, because where he goes, he brings life. It should not stun us, it should not stun any of us, that God seems to passionately desire to bring His river of abundant life to those areas of our world. You and I, I think we would admit, we're not worthy of what God gives us, but He in His grace and mercy gives it anyway. And oftentimes we judge the areas of deadness and, you know, it's, it's mucky and it's, it's ugly and it's, nobody wants to live there. It's, and we judge, no, God doesn't, want, God doesn't want to go there. But that's exactly what stirs his heart. It flowed from the temple toward the areas of depression. Here's the point. Perhaps the Lord is using this time to lead you and I towards a new expression of his abundant life to the Arabas around us. And if anybody wants to agree with that, say amen. He wants to send us to the Arabas. It's not, it's, not about, it's not simply about getting together anymore. Getting together is important. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's still important, but it's not where God has His eyes focused towards. He's got His eyes focused towards those that are dead. That's where His heart's being pulled. That's where His affections and passion is being pulled towards. To be retooled better to reach the dead areas around us. 
repurposed. And what does it say? It tells us the reason that we are to go into these regions. You find this in verse 12. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. We are to bring healing to the regions of Arabah. We're to bring healing to where it's dead. We're to bring healing where life has been lost. We're to bring healing to where there's no hope. We're to bring healing to that area. Now, I found it very interesting as you continue to read through the chapter. Again, we didn't read through all of it. But you read in areas, for instance, in verse chapter 47, verse 14. You talk in, in verse 13, it talks about the land is equally divided among the 12 tribes of Israel. They will inherit the uh, inheritance of God. They will receive the inheritance. Verse 14, you are divided equally among yourselves. So here's the picture. So God is pouring out His Spirit. He's pouring out, this is His inheritance, this is who He is. He's pouring Himself out. But He says, I'm going to, and He measured it out equally. Everybody gets the same, 12 of you. You all get the same. But here's the interesting part. Here's where it takes a twist. You go down to verse 22. You are to allot an inheritance for the foreigners. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all of you get an inheritance. By the way, we're going to split it again. Foreigners get an equal inheritance. The lost get an equal inheritance. The dead, I've got an inheritance for them too. Yeah, they're not named one of you, but my heart is for them. And they get an inheritance. Do you see that? So, we come back to that little expression, son of man, do you see this? Do you see what the Lord is showing? That... Out of His presence, He flows to where deadness is so that He might give the healing inheritance of who He is to them too. And we can stub our toes on this thinking they don't deserve and we start judging it. How come they get, you know? But that's where His passion is. Matter of fact, can we just do this? Go with me to Isaiah 41. You can leave Ezekiel if you want. Isaiah 41. I'm going to do two verses here. What is God's heart towards them? Well, I got a picture of this. When I went over to Isaiah 41, wow, it really impacted me. Isaiah 41, verse 17, it says, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. Beloved, this morning, that's the heart of God, isn't it? That's His heart. Do you see where He says the poor and needy are searching and they can't find it? Where the deadness, where the rabbit, they can't find it. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking, they can't find it. Their tongues are parched, they're swollen with thirst. He says, but I am going to answer them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights, springs in the valley. I will turn deserts into pools of water and the parched ground. It's been parched too long. I'm turning it into springs. That's amazing. That's his heart. That's his heart for the Arabas, for the world. His heart is to bring that world back to life, bring healing water. So I'm going to close it. Here it is. It's not all that complicated. Ezekiel 47. 
flowing from his presence is healing water. And it flows through you and I to where there's deadness, wherever that is. It's to them. His heart's for them because they have an inheritance with him. Not just me. They do. So in this pandemic, my belief is that as we reemerge, may we not reemerge simply to be people of the building, bodies, and budgets. <laughs> may we be people with a missional heart as his heart is. I've got to reach this world for Jesus. Here's my suspicion. Shared this in the first service, share it again. I've not really had a conversation with anybody. It's just my suspicion. I could be wrong. I believe right now people are more receptive to the good news of Jesus' love than they have ever been. In my years of ministry, there is a greater openness right now to conversations than there was prior. And I have to contribute that to the work of the Holy Spirit. That He is sending me and He's sending you to them. Go. Speak. Listen. Do it intentionally. He's sending us out. Why? He's repurposed us. We're being, re- re- we're being retooled. You see, church life is not about coming here Sunday mornings. God bless you for being here Sunday morning, by the way. But it's not about that. We come to worship. We come to be built up and to edify one another for the purpose of flowing out of the temple to the Arabas of our life. And they're all around. They're all around. I think that's what God is doing in these days. So I come back to that question. Son of man, do you see this? Do you see it or not? Do we see what the Spirit is showing us? You know, we can identify where the hurts are if we remember what God has once done in our lives. There's a story I came across. It was a little boy. He was attracted to a puppy's for sale sign at the door of a store. The boy went into the store. He asked the owner, how much are the puppies? The owner says they're $50 a piece. The boy reached into his pocket, pulled out several coins. He counted. He had $2.37. Nowhere near enough. He asked the owner, can I please see them? The proprietor smiled and whistled, and out of the kennel came Lady, followed by five tiny adorable puppies. One puppy, however, was lagging considerably behind. Immediately, the boy's attention was attracted to that puppy. You see, the puppy was limping. The puppy couldn't keep up. The puppy was dragging its hind quarters. What's wrong with that when the boy asked? The owner explained that this veterinarian had discovered the puppy was missing a hip socket. It will always be lame. It will never be able to run, never jump, never keep up. The little boy was excited and said, can I have that puppy? Nah, the owner argued. I can't sell you that one. He's flawed. Listen, son, if you really want him, I'll just give him to you. But the young man would not hear of it. The boy said, no, I must pay. Please, sir, pay full price for that puppy. I will give you $2.37. Now, can I give you 50 cents a month until I pay for that puppy? The young man owner persisted. You really don't want this puppy. The puppy can't keep up to you. The puppy can't run. The puppy can't jump. It's not like other puppies. He's not the puppy you want. 
And at that, the little boy apparently pulled up his pant leg. He had braces on his feet. He couldn't run. He couldn't jump. He couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. And his, his response back was that that puppy needs someone who understands him. That's why he needs me, because I get him. And I think, you know, my life, isn't that true with all of us? It's not us, them. We understand. We understand the parseness. We understand the dryness. We understand the deadness. We understand life without the life of Christ. And it's because of that we have something to give. We have something to offer. I invite you, answer the question. Son of man, do you see this? I'm going to invite Jonas to come. I'm going to, would you join me in standing? We're going to close in prayer. But before we go out of these doors and go to our homes, to our vehicles and back to our homes, I'm going to invite you, can we just for a moment let the Holy Spirit finish what He began? And that is that He would bring to mind the Arabas in our life that area of those people, the regions, the communities maybe of deadness around who need the healing waters of Jesus as much as you and I do. We are repurposed to reach them. So if I'm going to invite, would you close your eyes? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And as I pray this prayer, I'm going to just, in this prayer, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us the Arabas. Show us the areas of the regions of our world, put names and faces to it. Maybe they are a person at work. Maybe they are a person that we have been seeing in the grocery line or a person that is next door, a person that is maybe a parent of our child who they haven't been able to play sports for some time. Maybe it's a teacher of one of my children. Maybe it's a teacher at the college or university. But God revealed to us, and so I'm just going to invite Would you open your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to give you names and faces of people who are the Arabas of your world? So just open your heart so that we might see this. So, Father, I pray right now amongst my brothers and sisters that, Lord, you would just show us faces and names of people. That, God, that's why we're here. We are in, we're, we're, in the world, we're not of the world, but we are for that world. And that the healing waters will flow in us, through us, to touch them. Show us. Show us their faces. Show us their names. Lord, I pray not one of us here would be exempt from having been stirred by your Holy Spirit that we're here to meet their needs. It's not because of us. It's because of you. But we're to go to them. Help us, God. Show us who they are. Now, Father, I pray for the faces and names that have come to mind that, Lord, we would go from here. We would look for opportunities. Maybe this afternoon, maybe tomorrow, we'll pick up the phone, we'll go on the computer, we'll go on our phones, we will maybe just contact them somehow. Maybe we'll see them tomorrow. But, God, I pray, help us, God, to reach out to them. Maybe there have been bad, there has been bad blood between us. God, maybe it's time to fix that so that we can let healing waters flow back into their life. God, I pray, every man, every woman, every child here this morning, for all of us, that God send us out to 
the Arabis, that life once again will flow. Your healing waters, us to them. Repurpose us for your great task. We pray this in Jesus' name. If that's your prayer, just say amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.